Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often, they are founded in fact. Broadcasting from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California, I'm Krista. I'm Olivier. And we are the Sixth Sixth Sense Sense Society. Society. Is free will possible, or are we fated to live a predetermined life? Tonight we discuss what philosopher David Hume calls the most contentious question for metaphysics, the question of the nature of free will. But before we get going, let's see if Michael has any announcements. Hi, gang. I think it's going to be a really great show tonight. I'm really looking forward to this one, and I've been debating fate versus free will with myself for a long time, whether which one is dominant, does one exist, does the other exist. So I'm looking forward to hear what you guys have to say tonight. Um, Only a couple of announcements and nothing really super um, important in terms of the show itself, but although we are possibly considering perhaps moving to a different time slot, but we'll let you guys know there if, if we're going to do that well ahead of time. Um, the main thing is the upcoming show next week, which is Spirits and Sirens, which is another all-girl ghost hunting team from Michigan. They'll be joining us by video. And uh, so we're pretty excited about that. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. And Krista and I seem to be dragged further and further into the ghost hunting world these days, thanks to our friends David Oman and the show and all these really cool so people true. that we've been been hanging out with. So it's been a lot of fun. And, and I have to say, and I think Krista will agree, that Ghost hunters seem to be some of the nicest people around. They just are a lot of fun to hang out with. So uh, so we're pretty excited about that. Um, other than that, I, I think that that's the show uh, coming up, and we should be excited with it. And, you know, um, this show is being pre-recorded, but we're going to be on live chat with the premiere. So Chris and I will be there, and if you guys have questions or you want to interact, just go ahead and chat with us, and we'd love to hear from you. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys, and I'm sure I will have lots to, to jump in with. Yes, Thank I'm sure you, you will. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you, I mean, how do you define even free will? What do you think it is? Well, uh, it's a, a long, long, long story that's been going on for a long time, but I, I, I put it in three parts, actually, destiny, free will, and fate. And uh, I noticed something with when I was doing my research yesterday about destiny, which is one of the first things I'm going to talk about, is uh, it's determined... Determined, 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 determined by who you are. So that's your destiny. And uh, I was, uh, I was um, um, noticing there's a, a, a parallel between astrology and destiny. If you look at those two, when you you look at astrology, there's a your chart which who, it, it's made of what you are. And if your your destiny is uh, is like astrology, you you have to use uh, what's given to you. And uh, once you find it, you live your life through this. So that's one part of the three different parts I was I was talking about. So I don't know what you think about this. But... Well, I know this is really, really basic, but I like to start off with looking at things very simply. So mm-hmm. in the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy, one definition for free will 
was basically the capacity unique to persons that allows them to control their actions. Mm -hmm. Evidently, uh, in philosophy, not necessarily spirituality, there's even a huge debate on exactly how to define free will. Like, mm -hmm. there's two simple words, free will. Exactly. And then even will, as you probably know, I've seen in spiritual books, the idea of the little will with mm -hmm. a, you know, um, and then the big will with the capital W, mm -hmm. which uh, Alistair Crowley talks about in his books and, um, you know, unifying with your higher will, mm -hmm. which is often connected to the cosmic plan. Yeah. So it gets really uh, quite complicated on how what exactly is free will. Is it, does it mean I just do what I want when I want it? Is that, of course, that's not even possible. That can't possibly be true because mm -hmm. I could say, well, I'm going to jump off this um, this roof because I will that I will fly. Mm -hmm. And we know that's not what it really means, but yeah. it, it's so broad and so... You know, yeah. such and, um, a basic, two basic words. Exactly. And if you separate them, free. So what freedom do you have in your life? How much freedom do you have? And how much uh, can you will what you want in your life? Or you can get what you want, basically. And uh, so um, who's, deciding, who's deciding for what you, you want? So if you have a destiny, if you have a fate. So I, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about fate, so I was starting to say, to tell you about the three parts. And... Um, Fate is a path determined by our circumstances. So basically, uh, is um, what I understand with that is like fate is a is a kind of a reactive uh, mode. You're in a reactive mode by what you live in your past and your patterns. So you're gonna reproduce those patterns all your throughout your life. If you if you don't know who you are, mm -hmm. which is your destiny, then. When you find out who you are and you discover what are your talents, and maybe you can start to have a free will and act upon those. And, um, but there's a point when you discover that you don't really have 100% control of this. And, um, and we had a show about synchronicity, remember? Mm -hmm. And you were here. <laughs> I think I was. Were you? <laughs> Willingly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And uh, I was talking about the, the orchestration of uh, events. And I think with the free will, it separates it from, uh, from uh, having uh, an understanding of someone uh, orchestrating your life and, and directing you somewhere. So if you have free will, that means there's nobody uh, orchestrating your life or bringing you events or things that you want. Which is not true. I don't think it's true. You have some. There's always something that surprises you that uh, you're gonna uh, encounter, and uh, that's in your life, and that shows you you, you have free will. Yes, but um, you. It's like a, a partnership. I would say in this free willing things. I agree, and you know, at this point in my life, and this is exactly where I'm right now. It might change. I have come to conclude that there are three forces basically we work with and i call them free will destiny and chaos mm -hmm. chaos may have something more to it structurally but i like the word chaos because i, I think that yeah. if i was really going to learn as a soul if i knew everything that was coming even on a soul level i wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. and it also if everything is predetermined then none of us would go to readers why would you need to? Yeah. You would just say, whatever my life is, is my life. I can't change it yeah. at all. Must so I, I in bed. Yeah, and I, I base that on the tree of life. There are three main paths with the left-hand path to me is the chaotic path. The middle path is destiny. And the right-hand path is the one of free will. And I most of us have a mix of them going. 
we have a mix of periods where we seem to have more free will. Everything's mm -hmm. kind of going the way we want it to go. Yeah. Like, wow, it's just so yeah. easy. Then I've had periods myself where no matter what I did, pray, work, it, I was still running through certain themes. Mm -hmm. And all I could do is accept the consequences of themes that I didn't even know how I'd created mm -hmm. them. So I think that... Um, to me, that's my experience so far and also what I've thought about over time that makes sense for yeah. me at this point in my life. Yeah, and I was, I was uh, watching yesterday like a video about uh, free will and there's one that, that was a scientist uh, and he was talking about uh, what is the free will with like science and, and in general, when you plant a seed of a tree, if it's a, an apple seed, it's going to be an apple tree. You're going to have apples. So that's, there's no free will about this. It's, it's destiny. It's pre-ordered. Ordered. Mm -hmm. And uh, nothing to do with fate, I think. But um, so the free will that you're going to have if you plant that seed is to, to nurture that seed and to make it grow into a, a strong tree and get the best of, uh, of the tree you can have. So that's the free will you can have. You can also disregard this, this seed and let it grow by itself and uh, see what happens. So that's kind of uh, the, the fate or the, the, the by chance. So... I think we can differentiate all those things uh, and uh, separate them. I, I think it. Um, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Uh, I did also want to sort of share a couple of really cool ideas from a couple of the luminaries that I like. You know, I really like Edgar Cayce, so yeah. I found several of quotes of his. Yeah. And uh, it was from this great uh, website, by the way, called awakeningofthegods.com. They actually had a good article on free will and a bunch of really cool quotes. And what Edgar Cayce said was free will and predestination coexist within human beings. He said their past experiences limit them in probability and incline them in certain directions. But free will can always draw the sword from the stone, which I, I love that idea. <laughs> I said, wow, that's something to really think about, like a cone. What does he mean by that? Draw the sword from the stone. That means we're probably capable of a lot more miracles than we can imagine, mm -hmm. which I personally feel... We don't know how to use our free will. Mm -hmm. And the people that learn to, they seem more magical because they're, they're able to pull on. But they still have basically a path they're on that yeah. they're kind of meant to be on. Yeah, which is the destiny part of it. Right, Which the is destiny. the astrological part of it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That once you know uh, what you can. And I wanted to say something about the, the, the destiny and the astrological and your chart and everything. And uh, I, I had this example of a child at school. And uh, he's, he's really like slow and a slow learner. So what, and then you, when you're at school, you have to learn every, everything, you know, mathematics and grammar and everything. And um, what if he's bad in grammar? What are they going to do? They're going to they're going to tell this this child to learn more and to work harder to to know about grammar or, or, or mathematics. But at the end, what does it? What good does it do to him? Because once they know what his talents or his skills are, he doesn't need to learn those those things. So there's a reason why uh, I think we should have like people find out who they are so they can blossom into the, the best of themselves and uh, not have to struggle throughout life and, f and, and be uh, uh, reactive to their fate because that's a fate. Once you push somebody in a certain direction, they, they, they're going to struggle and they can't be... Um, Happy. I don't know how to describe it. Um, I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. Yeah, I do actually. And and there's a lot of layers to that thought in that 
One reason, for instance, um, children are not allowed to express their real interests will be because, say, mm. the parents were not allowed. Yeah. Another reason could be that they live in a very strong religious environment that expects mm -hmm. them to behave a certain yeah. way, and they're really forced to behave, yeah. rather than like a, a friend of mine uh, who, who actually is quite spiritual, decided just to ex you know basically show her son different religions, and if he wanted to pick one, she would be open to it, but just to say, Absolutely. here's what's yeah. out there for you. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. what a great idea, like a buffet, like a buffet of, uh, yeah, exactly. and even if he didn't want any yeah. of it, it was okay. But she said she didn't want to like, you know, yeah. make him into something like a mold, a mold like everybody wants you to be. And yeah. I, that's what I'm telling I'm saying that you, it should not be that way. Should, the free will is part of, a, of, a, of letting you be yourself. So you can have what you want in your life and be who you are as long as it doesn't uh, bother anyone, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, you remember when uh, before we started the show, I said, uh, maybe my free will is to stand up and leave the show right now. I have the choice. <laughs> it's a choice I can make. But uh, what are the circumstances? <laughs> Consequences. consequences yes <laughs> that's the one there are consequences there are no, to our actions. done because i choose to that's my free will to live or not but it's it's ridiculous but um the the choices that you are making are, are there to make you uh, happy and uh, get what you want in life and uh, and i don't know where i'm going with this anyways <laughs> but um well, well but, another um, thing about um the idea of it being, uh, it, it seems from a couple of the spiritual teachers I was reading that it, a combination is possible of free will and predestination. But mm -hmm. also what I was getting from Yogananda and Casey was that the more conscious you become as an individual, you seem to have more free will, which is ironic because usually the more conscious uh, a person becomes, they want to be part of what is called some kind of cosmic plan mm -hmm. but the idea that that makes a little sense to me that i'm not going to be as reactive if i work on my own inner world and i learn to work on my wounds and my belief systems yeah. and not to react to things i have more choice than already mm -hmm. to respond mm -hmm. and i i thought well that's an interesting idea that yeah. there's these levels of possibility depending on where your consciousness is and there was something edgar casey said that was kind of actually odd it was about um how some souls um basically had made so many mistakes in past lives <laughs> that they were not allowed as much free will when they first oh, came wow. back that's, and that's it sounds like a punishment but i guess he's basically saying they they kind of did it to themselves and I thought, well, that, how do you know if you're one of those souls? I mean, I guess a past life regression <laughs> would help. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And, and, and many of them say that karma doesn't happen all in the same life. And Casey, I mean, uh, Crowley said that, that you, you can experience uh, maybe a bunch of difficult karma at once if you really want to wipe it out. But sometimes it's more gradual, like it's a mix. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of fascinating. Yeah. So it'd be hard to tell, like, okay, why am I still stuck in this little town and I can't move no matter what I do? Because maybe it was a past life thing. You yeah. know, I, I was a king and I abused, <laughs> well, <so laughs> abused I mean, everybody. I have, I have a lot of karma to work on. <laughs> yeah, and there's something that's very interesting too. Uh, um, free will is, I think, is about like thinking and, and creating your life and, uh, and deciding for what you want. But uh, when you listen to all the spiritual teachers and uh, and uh, and scientists as well, I think 
when you meditate, you're supposed to empty your mind and be joyful and not think about anything. And that's and uh, even relaxation and meditation tells you that you that's how you create your life, but not thinking about things. So it's kind of a paradox, I would say, if you want to free will your life and not having and the way to create it is not thinking. There's like a, a something that's contradictory, I think. And uh, well, that that's a misnomer, at least for Tibetan Buddhist yeah. meditation, is that it's not about um, erasing all thoughts because that's not possible. Yeah, you, what you we're can't taught your was yeah, uh, you're you're not supposed to fixate and attach yourself, mm -hmm. even if it's a beautiful fantasy. You're supposed to kind of see it as what one technique is. Even every time you think, you say the word thinking, mm -hmm. no matter what it is, and then they just start kind of flowing through. Mm -hmm. And basically, you are dealing with what with what they call the monkey mind. Yeah. And there's a deeper natural awareness that will arise mm -hmm. on its own, mm -hmm. and that's where inspiration comes. That's what we're trying to do as meditators is really tap into the real essence of the mind. So, because uh, I I was luckily trained immediately in very good meditation practices. So. We were never told that our thoughts would go away. We were never, it wasn't about clearing yeah, your mind. You can't. It's, yeah, uh, you it's can impossible. try for 30 minutes and you think about something, it's impossible. Yeah. yeah. You and, can't slow them down though, because yeah, when I first, yeah. look, I was in my 20s, it's I first started meditating. Yeah. My thoughts were so speedy. I remember even Casey talked about how mind is the builder. And I was like, I'm in trouble. I mm -hmm. can't even see all my thoughts. They're like racing around, going all over the place. I don't even know what I'm building, you know? And I thought, this is impossible. I remember thinking, I'll never be able to do that. And I can do that. I can slow my mind enough to see at least the main sort of conscious thoughts and, you know, see what, oh, my, my mind's really fixated on that problem at work. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about it for 20 minutes now. Yeah. Isn't that enough? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So then you, you can say, you can let it go and say, I'm going to let it go. I'm not, oh. I'm going to think about something else. And that's a very basic view. I think that's important that people can reach very quickly with meditation. Yeah. And, uh, I wanted to talk about trauma and, and things like this, like, um, and focusing as well. And, uh, somebody who had a lot of trauma in their lives or is an alcoholic or something like this. And uh, do they have a free will of getting better? Do they want to get better? Can they get better? Do, it, do they have a choice? Because it's so ingrained in their body and their, their psyche and their, their emotions that uh, how much free will do they have to change? Or do they want to change? Or do they want to keep this trauma and, this, and those those emotions like stuck into themselves and uh, and live throughout their life with this burden so what what's holding them back and what's not allowing them to change and do they have a free will of, with this well going back to the idea that sometimes astrology can give us insight or pointers uh there are charts where some western astrologers anyway believe that if you have planets i don't know if it's to the right or the left side of the chart they have a lot predominantly, you're here in a life that is a ripening life. And there's another where you have more predetermination. Hmm. So that then also, in, in a, if you follow astrology, uh, and again, I'm talking Western because the Vedic yeah. is quite different, yes, even yeah. though they can be quite yeah. fatalistic and, and all that too. You would probably look at things like Pluto and, mm -hmm. and Saturn mm -hmm. and see if it's particularly difficult. Mm -hmm. And by bringing consciousness to um, the situation, it does already shift it. So we all know that once I sit down, and even if I say, 
I'm going to look at my life now. That's mm -hmm. a step in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. And even if it takes 30 years to shift, it's a seed. And, and yeah, that, I've, I've, that's a question I ask myself sometimes too as a reader. I see a lot of people over time and once in a while there's someone so stuck, I'm stuck about mm. how to help them. Yeah. And there's no real explanation from my point of view, from the card's point of view, and knowing the person. I don't have like a tarot explanation. <laughs> and I've thought about that's the million or billion or trillion dollar question. What is the catalyst that helps people to truly change? That says, you know, I've had enough. And even if the change takes 10 years, they're working at it. Or the trigger. They're, they're, they're not yeah. just falling back to yeah. the same thing yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a great question. I, yeah. I don't have an answer for it, really. Just a few maybe pointers that might help, but even then, they may not help because yeah. there can be people that have, we all know there are people that have tremendously difficult lives that yeah. do amazing things with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Or they use it or they, they heal themselves or they just, you know, they suffer yeah. all, all their life. And um, I wanted to talk about uh, focusing and things. And... Uh, I got this idea with the free will and the choice and free choice, which is, I don't know if it's the same or it's, it's a little bit twist to it. And uh, you know that in the tarot deck, there's a card that's the two of sword. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I told you one time when I had a reading with you. And uh, basically, the, this person has, has a, something covered, the eyes are covered and the, she has, she, so she, so it doesn't matter really. She has two swords and uh, the, the two swords are the same and the, she's supposed to choose for a path, which one, which way to go. And I always thought about this and I looked at the card and uh, for me, I think that uh, since it's, it's two different roads you have to choose or pick up for your life, when you look at the card, the swords are the same swords. So I think either way you go, you're going to have the same experience. Maybe it's going to be a different color, different people, but you're going to have to go through the, the same experience because it's the same sword. You pick this one, you go this way. You pick this one, you go this way. So it's the same sword. You have the same experience. And uh, that's what I'm talking about destiny. I think there's something that's really preordained. And, um, you can't, well, I you think can't there's a difference it. between preordained and destiny, though. I think destiny is um, those deeper themes that we all have in our yeah, lives yeah. that are repetitive yeah. because we on some level have chosen mm -hmm. i have chosen for instance in this life which is very true to learn about relationship mm -hmm. and it's it prominent in my astrology chart mm -hmm. it was my driving force until um early mid-30s is love that was the yeah. thing even though i could have done other things and um and i knew even from a little girl i used to think a lot about love mm -hmm. And so I, it was one of the things I was meant to theme-wise experience. Now, within a theme, I think we can, it can be like a spiral where I'm, I'm going through the theme, but if I'm consciously working with it and growing, when I get to the similar point, I can see it from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And also, um, there can be various expressions of the theme. It doesn't have just like you are going to marry so-and-so and, -so and mm -hmm. have, you know, this experience with this yeah. one person and yeah. they're going to die or something. Yeah. It's not like that. No, no, it's more of like a pattern yeah. that you're... And then within the pattern, as you actually become more aware of yeah. your play, the play in it, you experience it maybe a little differently yeah. or you have a different viewpoint. It's you know? what's your relation to the other. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but it's, it's exactly if you have to learn about a relationship, what your free will is to leave it to, to choose where you want. That's what I was saying with the two swords. You can do it in Los Angeles. You can go, you have the free will to do it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have the same experience. And learning about relationship, that's what yes. I'm trying to explain. 
we don't really have a choice. We, we just have to learn what we have to learn. And I don't like the idea that uh, we are on this planet to learn things or have lessons. I really don't like it, but uh, I don't I have no explanation for now. About you know it. who also doesn't like it? <laughs> Dr. Stephen Huller. I was yeah. at the, the Gnostic uh, lecture, yeah. and he said he didn't like that I idea like that, that idea. we're here as it's a school to grow. And yeah. He's very well known. But it's true in a way, teacher. but uh, it's, it's, I think it's more like experiencing something and, and learning through the experience. But I don't think that's the first thing you do here, but learning things. I think it's it's basically being the best uh, you can and uh, and uh, and shine and show it to the world. I think we are. Leo I don't even think it's smartphone. that. Even personally, I'm a little more, maybe a little more open to the fact that some people are here to have some experiences that I might not consider good, mm-hmm. and I don't mean necessarily criminal, but there <laughs> there can be things that that if that's true, we're here to have a variety of experiences. It does open the idea that. That there are maybe some difficult experiences uh, that uh, a human being might not choose to go through, but a soul would. Yeah. And again, there's some things I think are just completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so no, no matter what, you're right, and it's about the point of view. Actually, have you you view the experience the other has, and that's so negative for everybody. You see it if you really detach from it, and you see like in a, in a spiritual way or religious way, you can see it as just an experience. From everybody's like bloody, it's horrible. So what is happening? But uh, it's like when the universe is created, then you can, uh, uh, there's a storm. Uh, you can think that the storm is horrible or you're going to die. It's horrible. But it's beautiful. It's, it's energy and it's all uh, an experience. But uh, it's just about the, the way you view it, I would say. I also would like to go back to what you had were talking about, the word will versus choice. And I think mm-hmm. the word will is different only based on what when I was reading how people exactly. use the word will. Yeah, yeah. And for instance, um, Yogananda had uh, an interesting uh, thought about willpower. He says it's that which changes thought into energy. And as you know, even if you look at the will connected to the solar plexus, when a person's will is broken, which a lot of society likes to do, it's very difficult, even when the doors are open, for people to walk through. So the concept both on sort of a physiological, psychological level of willpower is essential for consciousness. Mm -hmm. And it's something I've thought about for a long time, having struggled as a young woman with being dominated by really strong people to the point I used to get sick in my Mm. stomach even. And then having to get even that that primitive will back, let alone what they're talking about, sort of the higher will and the... So I think will is a powerful word and a powerful idea. And I think... Uh, again, I think it'd be hard to pinpoint it. Choice, to me, maybe falls in a subcategory of will. You know, that will uh, is the main thing, and then within that I have some choices that I can pick. You know, this is mm-hmm. my will, but oh, it, can, it can be that or that, mm-hmm. you know, like the Two of Swords going yeah. back to that. Uh, so I like to use that word, too, because it has that sort of martial arts kind of energy, and then, of course, that's your seat, your core where you have to be rooted in both, mm-hmm. you know, as a spiritual being and as a, as like a physical being, yeah. you have to have a strong core. Yeah. yeah. So to me, the will is important in the word willpower. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, exactly. I think free will is more a, a thought process. And it's like, a, okay, tonight I'm going to have some chicken. So that would be my free will. Um, that's what I decided to do. So after I go to the supermarket and I have the free choice of choosing between this chicken and this chicken, how I want my chicken. Maybe that's just simple like this. Well, when it gets a little complicated, I guess, is when, first of all, in order to have freedom at all, or the concept of freedom, we have to have spent time enough to know 
what is really ours and what we have been told we mm -hmm. like yeah. the and the limitations. So we have to spend time getting to know ourselves yeah. in a very honest and objective way, which again is, is a Buddhist practice where when you first start sitting in meditation, the idea is you accept whatever is there. Even if you're, you know, a really awful person mm -hmm. you feel, or you've done you know, things you're ashamed of, mm -hmm. you, you have to make friends with that. You have to say, you know what, that's me. Yeah. Because without accepting that, there's no way you'll actually change. And accept the consequences. Exactly. So, you know, so everything, I mean, it does seem like the concept of free will is very much tied up with the idea of evolving as into a conscious human being mm -hmm. or a spiritual being, if you want to call it that too. So, and that that's definitely em emphasized in the spiritual teachings. Yeah, and the, the, there's something about free will that's singular. You know, it's like, uh, it's just you and there's nothing around. You just go and you move it through life like a bulldozer, you know, and you push everything around and that's what I want. I have my free will, I have my, will, I have my freedom, I decide for what I want. But uh, there's, a, there's a partnership in this. That's, just, that's what I'm talking about, like destiny and things. There's always something that's going to show you that, uh, yeah, you can decide as much as you want, but you're going to still have uh, some... Uh, some reactive uh, energy around you and that are, are going to be confronted to. And, and also, um, I mean, Yogananda's had something nice to say too about kind of the mix of both. Uh, he said that life is governed by a cosmic plan, but we have freedom to change our part in the drama, which I liked. Yeah. And then he gave a, a very touching interpretation in, of the story of, of Jesus and Judas. Basically, Yogananda was a realized being, so then we have to assume that he knows what he sees through his, you know, his clairvoyance or his mm -hmm. sight or whatever his spiritual intuition is. And he saw that Judas had been accepted already by Jesus in a former life as one of his spiritual sons. But in that life, at the end of that life, Judas had become quite greedy and his mind had become <laughs> darkened. So when he came into um, his good fortune to be around Jesus again, he still had that tendency, mm -hmm. that struggle, inward struggle. So according to Yogananda's um, illumination and seeing, he said that Judah, Jesus was being compassionate to Judas when he kept saying that you were going to betray me. He was trying to get him to look at his inner mm. world in torment so that he could make a different choice. Mm -hmm. Now that's fascinating because you think, what if Judas had made a different choice. Uh, would it have yeah. changed the story? Yeah. Like, what would the story be? Would he yeah. still have been crucified? Yeah. Or, I, I, I was really, and I, I remember thinking, that actually sort of makes some sense to me, mm -hmm. you know, that that could have happened, that we all have these crossroad yeah. moments of, I can just give in to my patterns wherever they come from, or I can basically you know, be a warrior, inner warrior, and say, no, I'm not mm -hmm. going to go down that darker path. So I, I'm always I'm always wrestling with my patterns. And that's what I was saying about trauma. It's the, kind of the similar thing, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, can you get out of it? Can, can't you? And uh, I think that's part of the fate uh, process. And um, what you're saying, like, is, if he's, uh, he was like this in the, in the previous life and he brings it to the next life, it's, it's like a trauma, an alcoholic, like, can, can he get out of it? But is he conscious about it? Is he aware that he can get out of it and that he has this? And it, that's his uh, sickness or it's a past life problem he had. And if he can choose to do a different, have a different path in his life and not reenact what he did in the past. And that's a choice you make. And uh, 
until somebody uh, tells you that uh, what you have. I don't know if you're aware hundred percent of what you have, and that's that's the part I was t- talking about the the child at school. You know, uh, they strug- they struggling to learn something when they don't need to learn this because they have other skills that nobody's telling them about. But maybe one day they're going to find somebody who's going to tell you, but you know, you're good at this. Why don't you do it? And the other part is going to completely disappear and it's going to be free and it's free and be himself. Well, that's an interesting thought too, to a free to be yourself. Yes. And that the idea of being your genuine self, your true self, what is that? And, I know that's one of the things that people really strive to do yeah. and to do it all the time. So yeah. one of the, th- the compliments of one of our longtime dear friends, he says we're always the same no matter what. We don't become something else mm-hmm. when we're around certain people. And, and I would say that's very true of Michael and I. And I worked very hard to be myself. Yeah. And then I got old enough, I just couldn't change. <laughs> it's like, so being myself, luckily I got stuck yeah. with that concept. Yeah. Is like, I may as well be myself because, you know, that's who I yeah. am. And you like me yeah. or you don't. Authentic. And authentic. And I know that is um, problematic in relationships when people are afraid to be themselves mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, then they, the other person has sort of a view of who they are. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the concept of free will, especially the ability to respond and create life that's authentic, is very important in many pockets of our life mm-hmm. to give us happiness. Yeah. You know, and that seems to be philosophers, uh, the little bit, I, I did look a little bit onto the philosopher's view of free will, but I was overwhelmed by the technicality of it all since I'm not a philosopher. And it, it was quite complicated, but they seem very interested in the implication of free will and, and things like morality and love mm-hmm. and friendship are implied by this concept of whether or not we have free will. <laughs> so, for instance, if I don't have free will, then whoever comes in my path, I'm just predestined to meet. So I may yeah. as well just accept it. What if it, they're all abusive? Yeah, it's 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 like somebody uh, you don't want to talk to, and it calls you. You have the like the caller ID now, so you have the choice of not responding mm-hmm. or picking up the phone. And uh, but what good does it do to you not picking up the phone? You know, that, that's the the consequence consequences that we are talking about all the time. And I wanted to mention something about focusing and uh, people who are very focused on one thing and like achieving things mm-hmm. and um, willing themselves to achieve that goal. And uh, I was thinking about this, and I think, are they missing out on everything else that's around? You know, if you focus on one thing, that's what you want. You're going to direct your attention to this, and you're going to work on this. Mm-hmm. But what about everything else that's happening while you're doing this? Are you paying attention to everything that's, uh, that's presented to you, and you're missing out on experiences that are offered to you? How are you? Uh, it's a good question. And... Is there a difference between like willing something from the ego's point of view and free will? When I, Alistair Crowley, even in the book, his books, he talks about this higher will mm. and uses the, the capital W when, and he says, the, do as thou wilt shall be the whole <laughs> of the law. Love is the law. Yeah. Love under will. Yeah. Which I, I don't know why people don't say that next sentence. Love under will. Yeah. I don't know enough about his, his own writings to know what he meant by that but it makes me think it makes it's mm-hmm. one of those lines that goes huh what does he mean by that it's like i'm going to think about love under will and i do remember him saying that the only kind of black magic is when you interfere with someone else's will 
And he didn't mean that, you know, someone's murdering somebody. Mm -hmm. When I, you know, let's say I don't approve Olivier is going out with, you know, uh, a Chinese woman and I'm, I'm, I don't like Chinese mm -hmm. people and I mm -hmm. just don't approve of it. So I, I block it somehow, mm -hmm. I, whether it's like black directly or, or no, I, I just somehow make, it doesn't have to be black magic. People block people all the time without yeah. magic. Formal, that's true. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Think about families. <laughs> they yeah, they yeah, block careers. Yeah, they they block yeah, relationships. Yeah. And so I thought, well, that's an interesting idea about yeah. what is black magic. I'm I'm blocking your will. But what if the experience of the other one is to be blocked, and uh, because they thought uh, they can't achieve it, and they, they're not using their free will? Maybe they, they, that's what was brought to to them being blocked. Well, then you you're getting into that dubious and very superficial <laughs> very dubious. view of law of attraction, yeah. which I find a little repulsive yeah, at this point. The, the yeah. biggest argument I can yeah. say is, if you really believe in the law of attraction, that means you believe little babies deserve to die by serial serial killers. Yeah. They attracted it yeah. to them. I mean, it's so uncompassionate yeah. on its yeah. own as it's, as a as a tenant as yeah. a as a part of something bigger, such as the other hermetic laws. Mm -hmm. I can understand it or it's just so crass and so like wrong like mm -hmm. you know everything I that comes to me I have created okay that means there, there's work. no free will and it's a lot of work and it is a lot of work and it's it's a fairly narcissistic view if you think yeah. about it like yeah. oh I am the center of the universe and so even if it's bad I created it you know it's <laughs> like no it's inter it's an interplay of creation like you, you said earlier you are the center of your experience yes different yeah different very different so i i usually i get so annoyed by that and 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 then also this you know some people think that certain buddhist people think because you're supposed to be practicing non-attachment means you don't care not attachment yeah. basically you're, you're just you're not like holding things so painfully you're mm -hmm. so if if i for instance if if i lose my best friend I allow the whole process to go through me. Mm -hmm. I don't hold on to it or block it. I experience it and let it yeah. go, basically. And then I'm shaped by it. And, and I it's it's a, it's more of an organic process. But I found when I was meditating more, I was more connected to my feelings of all kind. I felt more compassion. So there's this really wrong view about what happens. You become some detached, non-thinking creature. <laughs> floating through the air if you if you meditate mm -hmm. um so but i i think that you know again i think it does seem to be a mix of of some sort of destiny maybe broad themes and free will but at the same time there are teachings and teachers that say that some people seem to be able to accelerate their learning uh one of the famous examples in tibetan buddhism is the yogi milarepa who became enlightened in one life and very quickly and mm -hmm. he started out as a black magician mm -hmm. and but what he did to do that was so arduous that most of us would not be able to and i have met in readings i i have read for a couple people there's one um man that michael and i both met when we were doing readings in halifax on the waterfront and he was a man coming from Los Angeles who had actually worked for many years in the porn industry. And he was, however, going back to his spiritual roots and he had some indigenous roots and he had left all that and was studying and really embracing his authentic um, path in his mind. And so I, I used to do, we used to exchange, I think, readings or maybe I did the readings for him with the medicine cards and each week I, I didn't charge him. Uh, his energy was so different in a week 
I've never seen anyone shift so much because usually you see someone in a week, there's similar mm -hmm. cards. It takes a while. And I, I, I asked him, I said, what are you doing? I said, he says, I'm just taking the advice of the cards. And I never oh. forgot, like, I don't know what he was doing. He really had already some of that ability as a shaman yeah. to really move energy. So there are people, and again, what we can say, well, that was his destiny. Yeah, maybe, that's what I was maybe about not, to say. though. Maybe, maybe we have these moments of acceleration because of chaos even yeah but that's what i'm saying by the astrological part of it and the destiny uh you have this in you that's your your like your credit account you know you have this are you going to spend it are you going to are, are you going to use it and he did mm -hmm. but uh, the the way he did it he was a black magician as you said before so he he, he experienced the other side of enlightenment and he, he that's how he maybe he has his revelation oh you're talking about milarepa yeah yeah yeah, I mean, it's a great, It's a, there's a whole book called The Songs of Milarepa. It's hmm. it's a wonderful story, and it's very inspiring. There's so much more to it. I, I don't know. I mean, if you, you can also see chaos as chaos as a neutral force, in, and maybe you could say chaos is fate. I used to think when I first started doing readings that there there was this concept of the, the fates, the Greek fates, and now and then they'd just come along and throw a bone at someone to see how they would manage it, mm -hmm. and just by chance and I, I still kind of feel that can happen that sort of accidental thing where something lands on someone's feet that is not predestined it's not destiny and it's not free will and that's just my romantic view in a sense and perhaps they look for if you if you see the higher forces as being a little impersonal they look for potential vehicles that may be ready mm -hmm. and may not be ready and they're just going to try yeah. it. They're going to say, yeah, let's maybe. go. <laughs> but that's, that's part of the orchestration I'm talking about. You know, like you, you are, it's a partnership. And uh, you, you are the center of your experience, as I just said. And uh, everything is going to be brought to you. And you're going to have to uh, understand what's happening. If I can just jump in for a second, guys, yes. listening to your conversation. Um, there are a couple of things that, that really strike me. The, um, I agree with Crystal a lot. And I, I think that people that I see a lot of them struggle with nuance. And so they're looking for a very simplistic way of looking at life. Everything is fated or everything is free will or, you know, and so so they have a tough time where I think it is such an interplay of all these energies. I think fate may play a role, free yeah. will may play a role. It's complicated, it's gray. <laughs> and I think people really struggle with that. And I think that that's okay. Um, but again, you know, I think that life is very, very complex. And, and I think that all of these things have some room to play. Um, another thing I think that's important is to start to look at science a little bit, especially with quantum physics mm -hmm. and how it, it looks at time and space. Because to me, again, this is touching on these things. We're seeing now in, in a quantum level that time may go in both directions and that the future may actually be influencing the past as much as the past may be creating the future. And that implies fate to a degree if time can go in both ways. So I think some of the particle stuff and some of the things you're doing in quantum physics, I think that is going to touch on this. And I think that it's, it's where science and philosophy are maybe meeting up a lot at this point. Uh, which I think is is amazing. So for me, if you guys are out there, try and look up a little of that stuff and some of the particle stuff that's going on because it's just absolutely fascinating. And then one other thing real quick, um, and maybe to throw another wrinkle in it, is fate. This uh, We talk about fate and free will. But there's also this idea of purpose. People, what is my purpose in life? And is that part of fate or not? Um, and I've often thought, well, maybe life, or what is my meaning, you know? 
And I think maybe it's not so much that life has meaning. It's about creating a meaningful life. So whatever you're doing in this moment is your fate. You're fated to be sitting here mm -hmm. doing this show. The show is your meaning of life. You're supposed to be putting your best into it. And, and that's where the free will part of it. I'm going to embrace this energy. I'm going to really put my heart and soul into it. I'm going to sort of give it my best. And I think we should be doing that with everything we do, whether it's changing a tire on my car or doing this show or anything else. That is mm -hmm. my meaning in life, and it's about being present and being conscious, and that's such a, such a big part of all these things. And I, I, get, the, I get asked uh, this question a lot, like, what's the purpose of, of life when I work in a restaurant? And I always, really? At the yeah, restaurant? I'm serious. They always, <laughs> uh, you have no idea when people, they tell me their secrets and things. I have a face for secrets <laughs> to, to be told to... And uh, they always ask me, so what's the purpose of life? And I, I always give this answer. And uh, I've been thinking about it a lot. And that's what I, I came with. It's uh, the purpose of life is the one you give to it. You and, know, I, I, <laughs> I agree with both of you, but I still find myself sometimes thinking I'm off purpose. And, <laughs> and I even thought to myself about five years ago, I said, the purpose of life is to live, to live, Experience. to really live life. Yeah, yeah. And like Michael said, to live every part of life, because I think people think the word purpose is only for big things. No, I am going to go, you know, save yeah. the children in Africa, mm -hmm. which is a great idea yeah. and good luck to yeah. that. But that your purpose can be mission, having this different. conversation yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. here and, and, and bringing, yeah. like you said, yeah. meaning to it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I have found to be true for myself And I, I also have found this in Jane Roberts' book and Robert Greene's book on mastery, is purpose is driven by passion. Definitely. And if you follow your passions, mm -hmm. he's absolutely right. I followed my passions with metaphysic and I became a reader, but mm -hmm. I didn't plan on ever being a reader. Mm -hmm. It really just happened on its own. In fact, I don't even think a psychic told me I'd be a reader. They said I was deeply intuitive, and, and one person actually told me not to be a reader because I'd be bored, which they, they are right. If I hadn't found the Kabbalah and palmistry is more yeah, of intellectual, I would have been bored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but I was driven by my passions, and, and I think that what, why is it that people are afraid to follow their passions? And, and that's that freedom because, that... Because they need security, and freedom is not security because it makes you, it tells you to decide for your life and what you want to do with it. So if you, you're free, you can't. You, you, they want security. That's why we have uh, the majority of people on this planet having like uh, they get married, they have children, they have a career or a job, and they, and they have they become grandfather and grandmothers, and after they die, but they, there's there's no purpose in their life because they, they don't want to go for it. They they look for security. I think also you know the when we look at a lot of these things. Um, Some cultures seem to be so fatalistic to me. You know, we look at like India, for example, the caste system. You're born into this caste. You're supposed to stay in that caste. You have absolutely no right yeah. to advance or to better yourself. No freedom. Um, no freedom of, of to grow. Um, and some cultures on earth, I, I think, are, are very fatalistic in the way that they look at things. Other cultures, maybe America, much more free will. Anybody can grow up to be president. You can be whatever you want to be. Yeah, look what's and, happening. And so there is, well, yeah. But I think that it's really interesting to see all these different cultural takes on it. And, and so, um, you know, it, it's really a tricky thing. And, and again, fate versus free will. And it's a, is it 
one or the other or both. And, and I think it can be both. But to me, I struggle with the idea, and I see it used so often, the idea of fate, to oppress someone or to hold them down. This was your fate, so you have to mm -hmm. accept it. You yeah. can't make it different. And it becomes just a way of abusing people by using fate as a way of, of you know, making them a victim permanently almost. Yeah, and fate is That's like, it's about repetition. You're repeating your past, you're repeating your, your social status, you're repeating everything. So there's no, no decided for having a different life. And you, you can't because you're going to be killed if you change or be jailed. And uh, that's fate. So that's uh, about your upbringing, where you live, where you, the color of your skin. That's fate. You decide from this. And the free will is, is, is about doing something with who you are, what you have, as I said already. And uh, that's the freedom of, of what you can achieve in your life. And that's, it's, uh, it gets to have some freedom and doing what you want. And also something I wanted to mention in um, accordance with free will is the concept of karma. Yeah. And that's a lot. Uh, people will blame their karma. Karma fate. And so one of the most shocking things I discovered reading a book by um, Treleg Chabgon, um, who wrote a book on karma. Now, he was also a religious scholar, and he studied interdisciplinary uh, religions. And so I picked up this book. Shockingly, there is no such thing as karmic law. It's purely a Western invention. He says there's no such phrase in Tibetan, Sanskrit, <laughs> Chinese, or Japanese. And, and this is from his book. The misunderstanding seems to derive, at least in part, from the idea of natural law advanced by early Greek philosophers and subsequently the Christians, especially Thomas Aquinas. And so that, that whole morality part is not Buddhist. And I can understand why, because in Buddhism, there's this whole concept of no self. Mm -hmm. And it's, a very con it's very difficult for the Western mind to grasp. And also morality is not really the same. They don't really have this moral code. They have ethics and character that... Uh, but I, when I read that, I said, I had never, I never knew that. Mm. Everyone, oh, it's a Buddhist concept. No, it, it's actually a Greek I'm concept. Not, I'm not surprised. Yeah. So that, you know, people will blame their karma mm -hmm. and say, well, you know, I have this karma and, you know, I'm going through this, you know, and it's in my chart too. <laughs> and uh, I think that is one of those conditionings I do think we can overcome. I, I, if it is karma... All it is, is according to Casey, is a past memory. Mm -hmm. However painful that past memory is, you can respond differently now. So even if I meet someone who killed me in my past life somewhere, I don't have to keep up the cycle. I can do something. I have a choice, freedom, yeah. to respond differently. Whatever yeah. that is, I can just walk away. Yeah. I can. We can heal, yeah. whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that idea because it's, it's, it's almost like just having, even in this life, a lot of people live many lives in one life. They're, they've had so many different experiences. We have a friend like that and has gone through so much that in a way they've had a lot of lives. Mm -hmm. And yet that that's not necessarily going to hold that person to the next thing they're going to do. Mm -hmm. and, and so I know it's, it's sometimes difficult because we are creatures of habit and not all habit is bad. It's it's that's I think that's where you have to see sometimes it's a practical thing. I have to change a habit, a habit of thinking, a habit of acting. Yeah. Maybe I always act fearfully. Why not try something different? Yeah. <laughs> you know, see if, if something else happens if I do that. Not offending anybody. Yeah. And there's also the idea of karma, you know, when we talk about that. Um, there's this concept that karma can be resolved instantly, and I've seen that before. And I often think of karma like a 20-mile-an-hour wind blowing you in the face. So you feel this force in your life, and, and it's affecting you. 
But if you decide to, to run in the opposite direction, 30 miles an hour, suddenly you don't feel the wind anymore. So I often feel like karma is what affects your life when you're refusing to do anything yourself. You're refusing to create. You're refusing to, to mm. use your free will. Then yeah. karma is the dominant factor. But once you, you start to create, once you start to take charge, once you start to use that free will to, to do something positive, then that karma is no longer a significant factor in your life at that point. Yeah, and when you think there's, a, there's only now, so if karma is like a baggage uh, on your shoulders, you, you really can't... Uh, do anything because it weighs on you and you if you're supposed to be only in the present moment and now so you're supposed to observe what's happening and and go for what you want and and achieve it and uh, if karma is so heavy on you you, you it's like it's weighs you down you, you don't move forward well that's if you have what's called bad karma and michael you'll like this because Treleg um says that remember she says that eventually you want to have neutral karma hmm. but until you do you want to build up stores of good karma so because eventually you don't want to have either if you mm -hmm. want to be free mm -hmm. from samsara and yeah. he also talks about the intricacies of different kinds of karmic strands which is really fascinating that we think of karma as maybe just one sort of thing coming at us and he says actually there are many different kinds of karma and different sort of interactions with consciousness And that's probably why it's too complicated for the human mind, unless you're evolved, to really understand where everything is coming. So you kind of work with the present to try to build positive karma, however that is. So mm -hmm. that's easier to do. It's easier for me to say, okay, from here on, I'm going to do things I feel are going to be more positive mm -hmm. in my life and, and to do, you know, affect me more positively for the future. Because the past is so complicated. Now, I think there's some truth to that. Even, yeah. if, even if you think of your own past in this life and you think of the motives and the experiences, it's hard to understand. Why did I go to do that? Why did I react this way? Yeah. You know? I've often said that the, the fans of neutral karma are like me and Christ. So I'm glad there's now three of us because <laughs> I think we're a small group. But I like that idea of neutral karma. I've always been a big fan of that. And, and I think Christ in his teaching said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. And I think it was a karmic statement. He was saying, look, that's his whole deal and you let him deal with it. Don't take responsibility for his karma. You know, you, you worry about yours, you know, and you deal with your responsibilities. And once you've dealt with your responsibilities, then you don't owe anybody anything. You're, you're, you're neutral at that point. But you see people that are enabling people. They're trying to do their work as well. They're, they're overextending themselves in a sense. And to me, that's too positive. And, and I, I've thought, you know, Kabbalistically, maybe it's because we study a lot of Kabbalah and the three pillars, but I've often said that it, it's uh, the best Kabbalistic story is Goldilocks and the three bears and that everything is too hard and too soft and just right or too hot and too cold and just right. And I think yeah. karma is the same. I think it's too negative, too positive or just right. And I've often said neutral karma is just right karma. <laughs> that's what it's supposed like to be. Yeah, I thought you'd be pleased. He says the same thing, and he's a, a master. He wasn't. He's not alive anymore. A Buddhist master. And um, I was going to say something about oh, that that also that idea of of bad and good. I one of the things I, I find probably not really helpful is the overemphasis of the word light in mm. the spiritual community. And particularly since now um, science is finding, has this thing about dark matter and dark energy yeah, being part of creation. It's, a, it's almost a, Ford, a, a form of racism 
because darkness is bad and light yeah. is good. No matter what people say, yeah. oh, no, I don't mean that. Why do you use yeah. the word light then? Yeah. And, and even Jung was into integrating the personality into mm -hmm. something. Who knows what will be an integrated personality? Neither light nor shadow. But if you think of even the concept of nighttime and darkness, how we can rest and, and seeds grow out of the soil. And it's always bothered me. I, mm -hmm. I don't like that language. Yeah. I, I don't want to call myself. I don't. I, I, I find you, it's... you can't have one without the other. Yeah, That's it's like you know the yin and yang. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's feminine, yeah. masculine energy. They might not understand each other, but you can't have the one without the other. Yeah. And um, I wanted to say something about uh, the free will and uh, use an example like uh, homelessness. And um, how much free will they have uh, to change their life? How much that's part of the trauma thing I was talking about. And uh, when you give something to a homeless, they're going to have food for uh, five minutes. But what's happening after that, you have no control over, you don't control them. You don't, uh, you don't, you help them in a way, but they, they don't change. So you, you just have to be in the moment of, of making them happy. And I have an example. One time, I gave like some food to a to a homeless person, and I uh, said, "I don't like that." So he didn't want it. So it's kind of it was offensive to me. But what I'm saying is, that what is their free will of changing their life? Do they want to change it? What is my part of uh, being uh, like uh, uh, touched by their life and uh, and understand what's going on with them? Do I need to care? And uh, I wonder how much free will they have and what, why well, here's they, you they, get into, they are at that point to, in their life. To me, having worked in the community a little bit with some of these issues of homelessness and, and violence, you get into uh, a much more complicated scenario yeah. because there are societal abuses that are very real yeah. that are, again, um, based on a misuse of, of energy and will. Mm -hmm. And it they are not in an isolated way, most of them create in their reality. That's again, that cruel idea. It's, it's an interdependent thing. And if I live in a, a city that is corrupt and has you know people that are so abusive that we're afraid and that's creating these, this reality. And to me, things like homelessness offer us a chance to look at our humanity and to do something compassionate, mm -hmm. no matter how small it is. Even if I say, you know what, Krista, I'm going to go and see how many homeless people are in our city. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to send $10 a month to something. Because not all of us will be as involved. But that's one of those things I, I, I don't think... There are some people probably would be homeless. Everyone says that homelessness itself would, would never completely go away. But many people, when they're helped, they recover. They have, you know, I've, I've read enough studies where they're, they're given proper opportunities. But once we're on the streets, we don't have a chance because we don't have a shower. We don't have a toilet. People have so much prejudice against the homelessness. Yeah. You're dealing with, the, again, it's a complicated thing. So for me, it's a chance to become a better person when I see things that are cruel. And that's me, how yeah. I view the world. I say, and I'll do what I can, whatever that small bit is. Yeah. I went to the soup kitchen and you know, feeding feeding the homeless, like you said, and I was really disappointed and, and saddened by the experience because there's there is absolutely no compassion there, and uh, you had the you had the salad in a, in a trash bag and like you know, and it was feeding them and there were there were no compassion no emotion it felt like it was an industry or, or a business and uh, I was really touched by it and I, I said, what can I do I can't do anything about it it's it's not 
in my power to do this. And uh, being a homeless, what is it? Is it fate? Is it destiny? Is it their destiny to be a homeless? Or can they change it? Do they want to change it? That's what I, that's what I was talking about and asking you about the free will. What, well, what? some people do. We we met people. Michael once did reading for a young man when he first came out to the, the beach, on the beach. And he was homeless at the time. He was fleeing violence from his um, neighborhood. And uh, Michael was just kind of nice to him. And people were pretty nice to him. And he finally got some work. And he finally got a little job. And he got off the streets. He he wanted to. Uh, he was homeless because he was fleeing violence, mm-hmm. and he was young. Yeah. Oops. Well, here well, we go. We're we still talking about Time free will. Time is flying. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we hope we gave you a lot of food for thought. So please subscribe to us if you have yes. not. Like us. Ring the bell. Comments. We love your comments. Thank you so Thank much. You. And I wanted to leave uh, with this phrase from Leonard Cohen: "Like a bird on the wire." Like a drunk in the midnight choir, I have tried in my way to be free. So you try too. Yes. Good night. Thank you very much.